0: morning. I see the kids have already gone to their classes. So good morning. My name is Erica LaVallee and I am part of the Living Hope uh, Church of God teaching team. And so when the pastors are are away or uh, at times they will ask uh, some of us uh, board members to take part in uh, teaching the Word. So I'm continuing this morning the series that we began last week that our brother Doug did such a wonderful job in introducing, and the the title of our series is Who Am I, an Ambassador for Christ? And we're doing part two today. So before we begin, let's just take a time to pray. Hallelujah. Lord, I just want to thank you, God, for your presence. I want to thank you that we have the wonderful privilege and honor of worshiping you. I thank you, God, that you are real, that you died for our sins, and you've forgiven us of our sins and so that we could have fellowship and relationship with you. And so I ask, oh God, today that you would illuminate our minds, open our hearts, open our ears to hear what you want to speak to us today. And I pray, oh God, that my words would be just your words, Lord, that you would take the forefront, and oh God, that I would disappear for your honor and your glory, in Jesus' name. Amen. So I, excuse me, Um, so thinking about the series uh, today, well, not today, but as I was preparing for this uh, message, I was reminded of, you know, when I was a teenager, one of my favorite movies was Mission Impossible. Like, one of my friends got me that movie for my birthday, and I was like, Sold out. Like I was, so, I was all in, and uh, actually we would sometimes pretend to be secret agents going down the hallways at school. We'd make sure that the hallways are, were empty as to not to embarrass ourselves, and, uh, and we'd sing the theme song. And I love that part of the. The movie where the secret agent is given his mission, right? And he says, "Your mission, should you choose to accept it, is..." And then they would, you know, give them their their marching orders, and it says, "This message will self destruct in five seconds." <laughs> but in the it, part of the message of the mission is like, "Should you fail this message, uh, no one we will deny your very existence, and you're on your own." <laughs> and I think that sometimes when we think of the word ambassador. It can give us the image of being sent on a mission and like we're given our marching orders and sent on our own, but nothing could be farther from the truth. I love this quote from Blackaby. He says, we often act as though God tells us what he wants us to do and then sends us off all by ourselves to try and do it. Then anytime we need uh, need him, we can call on him and he will help us. That is never the biblical picture. When he is about to do something, he reveals what he is about to do to his people. He wants to do it through his people or through his servant. It's not like we go and do things for God. God is already doing something. And as I was preparing for just this, this message, it, you know rereading just the, the, the workbooks with experiencing God because I felt like it really fit this topic, I was reminded that God is already at work. We forget that sometimes. We think, okay, well, God's going to send me on a mission to accomplish a mission that never has any existence or doesn't have anything started already. No, God is already doing something. We are called to join him where he is. It was kind of like a really great awakening for me uh, as I started, you know, pondering on that, because so often we're like, God, please come and help me in my own plans. Or, you know, show me what you want. Give me a task and let me go and do it. But that's not how relationship with God works. Even in our identity as an ambassador, it is a, it, it's, it's an integral relationship in which we are joined together in a task, And so God has actually sent you in a specific location because that's part of the topic today is that God has given you a specific location to be an ambassador because ambassadors are sent to a specific place, right? They're not just kind of like willy-nilly decide, well, I'm going to be an ambassador, you know, three miles away from where I live, you know, in the same country. God sends us, the ambassadors are sent usually to a different country where they are to be representatives of their kingdom, of their country. And where we are, where God has placed us, God has placed you very specifically to be his representative, but not just to be his representative, like kind of like on your own thing. God has specifically put you there to accompany you and for you to experience him as well. So there's intentionality about where you are sent. In the same way, God has sent you where you are, not just because he has a plan, but because he is already doing something. It's not because he has a future plan. It's because he's already doing something in that place. You know, you're not in this church body by happenstance. You're not at your workplace by happenstance. You don't have the children or the spouses by happenstance. These are all ordained, and where you are, you can be the representative of God. And we see that even with Jesus. God sent his son to earth, and he, just, he didn't just send him just anywhere or any time in history. He sent him to a specific place at a specific time. And we see that in Matthew uh, chapter 2, verses 1. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem, I'm not out of that scripture yet, sorry. Um, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem. So he came at a very specific place. He was born in Bethlehem. And it was, it was actually foreordained many, many thousands of years before. So God puts you in a very specific place as well. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's handiwork created in christ jesus to do good works which god prepared in advance to do so and so your life is not just a mistake it's not just uh you know random your life has purpose and as an ambassador as that's part of our identity of who we are in christ we have purpose we have a reason of being and sometimes. We feel like we might feel like you know where we are doesn't make much of a difference, or it's not very you know important. But as we will see later on, it is very important in God's eyes. Psalm one thirty nine verses sixteen says that God knows all the days of your life, and they were written in His book. So God knows your your past, your present, and your future. What's so encouraging is that. Even knowing our past, even knowing our present, even knowing our future, God chose you and he chose me. It's not just by accident. God loves us in all of his grace. He has chosen us. So God is currently at work all around you, even though you might not see it. And this, this next quote with Henry Blackaby, I, mean, I took a lot. By the way, Henry Blackaby is the one who did the course, Experiencing God. We did this about th- three years ago, but we've de- been doing this course over and over again because it has such foundational principles by which so we can live by. He states, he puts it this way, he says, Right now, God is working all around you in your life. One of the greatest tragedies among God's people is that while they have a deep longing to experience God, They are experiencing God day after day, but do not know how to recognize him. So we do not know. I'll repeat that that section because it's important. It says, while they have a deep longing to experience God, they are experiencing God day after day, but do not know how to recognize him. Just because you don't see God doing something doesn't mean that he isn't doing something. And there's times where you say, you know, well, I haven't heard God. Well, God is speaking, but sometimes we don't hear what he's saying. But what does it take, really, to see what God is doing and hear what God is saying? It takes intentionality on our part. God doesn't stop because we're not faithful. He keeps doing. but the invitation is really to join him in what he's doing and to really experience the greatness the wonder of who he is the holiness of who he is and there's excitement there when you start to discover but you know what it takes adjustment on our part it takes that we adjust our lives and I had to come face-to-face with that, and after reading these quotes, I needed to repent because I was so focused on asking God what his plan was for my life that I was missing what he was already doing. As an ambassador, asking God what uh, his will is for my life is the wrong question. An ambassador, as an ambassador, as a child of God, the right question is, what is God's will? What is He currently doing in my location, in my surroundings? God is doing some wondrous things, some incredible things, but it might not always look like the package that we want it to look like. You know, sometimes we kind of have like this glorified idea of like, you know, like someone sitting, standing on a soapbox preaching the gospel and, you know, and then everyone becoming safe. God's work and His will have often are in the very little details of your life. They're in the little details of your surrounding, and God wants you to see them. But sometimes because of all that we're going through or because of our great need or because where our eyes are fixated, we miss out on those wonderful, beautiful treasures of what can be happening. And even in ministry, you know, in in my place of leadership, or sometimes I'm so focused on the task that I completely miss what God is doing. So I can choose when I'm faced with circumstances that I don't like, I can look at that circumstance and try to solve the problem so that it, you know, brings comfort to me in that, that place and totally missed out on something that is so much greater, an opportunity to really experience God. When someone is being very frustrating with me, I can choose to try to just like Like, would you just stop and, or, you know, like, try to, like, why are they bothering me with this? Or why are they coming at me with this? Why are they putting this extra load on my shoulders? Or I can ask God for his perspective. Okay, God, what is it that you're doing in this moment? What is it that, how is it that you want me to respond? Because I could miss on something great, miss out on something great. God wants you to experience his greatness through these things. And so God wants you to experience him where you are. And we can follow Jesus' example in the book of John, chapter 5, verses 17, 19. I'm going to read 19 and 20 as well, but the uh, 17 is up there. Jesus says, in in his defense, Jesus said to, to them, My father is always at his work to this very day, and I too am working. Jesus gave them this answer. Verily, truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father what loves the son and shows him all he does. Yes, and he will show him even greater works than these so that you will be amazed. And then by virtue of, of seeing God do the, the Father do that with Jesus, Jesus does the same thing with us. We see that in John 15, 15. He says, I no longer call you servants because servants a servant does not know what his master's business. Instead, I have called you what? Friends. For everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. So Jesus, it's not a matter of if Jesus wants to show you what he's doing. It's a matter of him, yes, he wants to show you what he's doing. God wants to show you what he is currently doing in your life and in the people that are around you. And he wants to use you as a, not only just as an ambassador, but of someone who brings life to others, brings his life to others, brings his joy to others, his peace to others. And so we are agents, yes, but not secret agents who are left on their own. We are partners with God in his work. And so God is always at work, and he is inviting you to join him rather than sending you away on a mission. So on the sending away on the mission, that's distance. Jesus is inviting you to join him. That's closeness. That's the difference between secular ambassadors and Christian ambassadors. The secular ambassador is sent away from his family, away from his home of origin. Jesus calls you to draw nearer to him, to people, to his who he is. That's the home that we belong to. And so God is inviting you to, to join him. Are you feeling alone in, some, in the, the work that God has called you to whether it's being a mother whether it's being a boss whether it's being an employee whether it's being a neighbor you're not alone in that task it's really what learning to walk in step in step with the holy spirit and he, actually jesus shows that example he says he says um says the son can do nothing by himself. Now that's the Son of God, Jesus, who's God. If he can do nothing by himself, I think we can follow. I don't think that you know we're above Jesus in, in in that respect. And often, you know, our own ways will cause us so many issues. But God wants you. He's sending you as His representative, but He's not sending you alone. And so joining Him means that I adjust my life to His plans. And so in my desire to, you know, my lately, in my desire to find a different uh, job, my search was about how to meet my own needs rather uh, than what... uh, Rather, uh, God wants me to search for what he's doing. And so now those two things are not mutually uh, exclusive. So God doesn't want to negate my need for the benefit of his kingdom. You understand that? He is a loving father who takes care of his children. So, you know, even in, in my career change, in my job change, God wanted to also take care of me, but He also wanted to put me in a place where I could be His representative. And so, if those things are, like I said, are not mutually exclusive. And so, He calls us also to be salt and light in your location. Matthew chapter 5, verses 13. Uh, to 16 says you are the salt of the earth but if the salt loses its saltiness and now we're not talking this new generation saltiness means something else where you're like attitude not that kind of saltiness <laughs> the, the good kind of saltiness uh, how can it be made salty again it is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot he says you are the light of the world he doesn't say, you will become the light of the world. He doesn't say, you could become the light of the world. He says what? You are. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a, a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, he says, let your light shine before others so you see the the what it means here he's saying you are the light of the world but you can let it shine before men so what does that mean what does that imply that means that we can also hide that light from others so it does you don't stop being the light of the world but you can hide that light that, and he says that others may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. You know, one of the basic human longings or needs is to feel significant, that our, like our life matters, that what we do matters, and our significance can be found in Jesus. And when we become ambassadors, we can find... If we're becoming ambassadors just to please our pastor or just to please our church, we're going to be sorely disappointed... <laughs> But if we already know that we're significant in Jesus, that we matter, that our life matters, that no one can take that away from us. So also, when we try to find our significance in our career, in other people, money or whatever other external things, then we can become easily frustrated because people can block those goals, right? People can not like you. You can have, uh, you know, your parents not like you, your pastor's not like you. You can have you can disappoint people or they can fail you, they can disappoint you. That can change, but one who never changes is always the same is Jesus. And our righteousness is not dependent on our ability to be righteous, it's dependent on Jesus's. And does Jesus stop being righteous? Never. Does Jesus stop being good? Never. You know, we, we, we go like this. <laughs> but Jesus stays the same. And our righteousness is dependent on Jesus, not on our own. So when we believe the truth that we are significant in Christ, no one and nothing can take that away. And so Jesus said, you are the salt and the light. And he says, let your light shine before men. And I love how Neil Anderson says, he says, he uh, says he calls uh, those people who don't let their light shine, he says, secret service Christians. <laughs> so like they kind of go incognito in their workplace or wherever they are. No one knows that they're Christians. And he was giving the example how he had started a Bible study in his workplace and for you know the un- unbelievers, and he was told he couldn't do it in his workplace, so he did it in a bowling alley. And people, some people showed up. People he never knew were Christians, and so that's kind of a sad statement. You know, people should know that we are Christians because that's who we are. You know, we can't be one person in one place and another person, and that our identity shouldn't change, right? And I remember even in college, there was this one girl. I'm like there's something different about that girl and I kept saying for three years I was in school with her and I was like there's something different about that girl and at one point I was in a project with her she goes Erica you know she says we have a lot in common you and I I'm like okay yeah I said well is it because we come from a small village that both have the uh, reputation of throwing rocks she goes no (laughs) apparently hers did too Uh, she goes no we're both believers I'm like what I'm like, here I am in university, you know, questioning the professors, you know, like being, you know, not wanting to be a troublemaker, but they were trying to push their beliefs, and I would question them all the time, and she was saying, Erica, had you not asked those questions, had you not, you know, been so adamant, she says, I might have lost my faith at that time. And so we don't know. Sometimes, you know, sometimes I felt like I'm like, maybe I'm just being a troublemaker, you know, in this. But I'm like, no, no, you can't tell me that this is true. You know, like they'd say, oh, well, uh, they would say no one ever does uh, anything intentionally wrong, you know. And I'm like, well, what's revenge? Like, <laughs> and you know, I have all these questions, you know. And I'm like, oh, you know, I don't know about what you're teaching about this new age stuff. You know, I have my God. And, and so I'd always question, you know. And but God was calling me to be light in that place. And even in the different areas, you know, sometimes you think, man, like I feel like I have not made a difference where I am. And sometimes God will just open, sometimes we just need to see. And as I was studying that this week, God started opening my eyes Erica, you are making a difference. You just hadn't noticed. You're so fixated on other things. You hadn't noticed the difference that I'm making through you in your workplace. And I was like, oh, okay, because I started noticing just different conversations in my workplace started changing. And I'm like, oh, wow, okay, I didn't even, you know, I didn't even say anything about this, you know. And it just started happening. But that's because of who we are as representatives. It brings light in, the, in a dark place. You know, sometimes we, we live the Christian walk and we live in the supernatural and we take it for granted. We take for granted what we have because it seems so normal to us. Who you are as a Christian, it's not normal. Sorry to, you know, bust your bubble. It's not normal. And but it also has a it has an influence on people who are around you. You can't just turn off a light. It's there. You know, a light you can you can try to hide it, but you you know sometimes you'll see little bits and pieces of it. You can't compartmentalize light. It's there to shine. And Jesus wants to shine through your life. And he wants you to be aware of his work also through your life in others. And that's the exciting part. It's not a task. It's not a a burden to bear to be, you know, i got to go there and be a representative. You know, I've got my tasks and I've got my, you know, missions to accomplish. God's like, no, there's an adventure waiting for you. Let me see you. Let me show you. Let me have you discover the great things that I'm doing right now in your midst. And so God may not ask you to start a Bible study, but he does want you to be a positive influence in your world. As we take a stand, let it be done in the power of the Holy Spirit, we never have the right to violate the fruit of the Spirit. If what we do cannot be done in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, then possibly it would be better to be left undone. Truth must be spoken in love. This is a quote from from, uh, Neil Anderson. And he was saying, you know, God is calling you to, be, to walk in the fruit of his spirit. He's not calling you to walk in the, in the tools that Erica has or, you know, the, the strength that Erica has or the, you know, the wisecracks that Erica has. No, that's not good. Uh, he's calling us to walk in the enablement of the Holy Spirit. He wants you to make, it, make you aware and then have an impact. So who you are makes a difference where you are. Who you are as a person, it makes a difference in the place where you are. And I want you to remember that. So as God starts working on your heart, transforming your heart, working on your different attitudes or issues or frustrations or how you respond, how you react, it, it makes a difference Where you are, God is not asking you to be the perfect Christian who never has any issues. No, that's that's mission impossible. Um, Let me tell you. But what He does want to do is to let He wants you to let His Holy Spirit work in you and create that fruit of the Spirit so others can see it shine, and people notice. You know, for me, you know what kept me as you know strong in school, you know in university when everything that was being thrown at me in different ways. It wasn't because I, you know, I lived a perfect life or, you know, or I had perfect Christians around me. Actually, no, it was you know, my mother's faith in, and her journey in growth in Christ. Seeing her being changed and transformed in Christ is what kept me strong because I was like, there's nothing in this world that can do what Jesus has done in my mother. Nothing in this world, all this stuff that you're teaching me about, I have not seen that work in other places, in other settings. But I have seen it in the different people in the church where God has changed and transformed their life, caused them to become more loving, more patient, more graceful. And I mean, for those who were here like 20 years ago in this church. This church, is, God has done a wonderful work in this church. Amen? He's done a wonderful work in all of us. Because church 20 years ago was really not the same as it is now. God has done such a wonderful work in so many of you guys. And sometimes we forget about what God has done. But God has done such a great work in all of you who have been here through the years and let Jesus transform. So many of you have I've seen so many of my brothers and sisters here become more gracious, more patient, less offended, uh, you know, just uh, more giving, more generous with their time, willing to lay down their lives for others. That's Jesus's work. And so imagine, you know, that's the me back then. If that kept my faith, how much more now where God has done such a great work, is that not a testimony for who God is? When people come into this church now, it is such a different atmosphere. Sometimes we don't take the time to thank God for what he has done. Well, I want to proclaim it out loud today. God has done such a wonderful work, and he is going to continue doing that work, and now Don't take all of that work for granted, all that God has done in your life. Don't take it for granted that he does not want to touch others around you. And we need to see the wonder of God and all that he is. We are God's coworkers in our locations. 2 Corinthians 6, chapter 6, verses 1 and 2 says, As God's coworkers, we urge you, not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, in the time of my favor, I heard you, and in the day of salvation, I helped you. I tell you now, this, it, uh, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. God's favor is over you to be his ambassador for, for his kingdom In Neil Anderson's book, Who I Am in Christ, I found it was kind of like fitting with our series, he recounts two contrasting stories. One gentleman who was in seminary seminary was dying of cancer, and he thought that his life was not very significant because he had never had any significant ministry in his little church. And he tells Neil Anderson that all that he has done is bring a few hundred people to Christ. And like Neil Anderson's like, what? Like, how do you not see this as significant? Bring, you know, sharing the gospel and them accepting Jesus, like, that's, like, super significant, right? And he did not see what God was doing. God was at work through his life and through his suffering. And during one particular class uh, Neil Anderson, that Ander, Neil Anderson was teaching, he encouraged the young man to share what he had been going through. And he, his sharing of his pain and suffering ministered to the entire class. He says, this was the best class we had ever had. People started opening up and sharing and experiencing God together. God can use your suffering. He can go, use what you're going through, your difficult c- circumstances. That's why you don't, as an ambassador, you don't have to be like all set up, all proper, you know, like the hair all well done and the outfit and the, you know, uniform. No, he's saying... I can use you as you are, in your difficulties, in your struggles. And you can share. You can, there's, no, there's no shame in sharing that we're going through difficult things. God doesn't expect you not to go through anything and to never share that you're going through difficult, difficulties. It's in the honesty and the realness that people's guards often break down and say, me too, I'm going through something difficult. And then we can invite Jesus in and, and see that Jesus is already at work there. But we miss that sometimes. We just truck forward, miss a complete great opportunity. And he shares that by contrast, there was this other young pastor who was discontent with the church where he had been placed. He stated that there was no one significant in his church and they were just a bunch of losers. <laughs> And he wanted out of there, uh, uh, out of where he was, and he would send his resume everywhere so he could get a place somewhere else. He could not see the great opportunity that God had given him. There's no losers in God's kingdom. There's no loser church in God's kingdom. I hope not, you know. You know, we're all, God's people are all precious, but he, did, he missed out on, on that, unfortunately. And he shares this little poem that I really love. He says, Father, where shall I work today? And my love flowed warm and free. Then he pointed out a tiny spot and said, Tend to that for me. I answered quickly, Oh, no, not that. Why would uh, No one would ever see, no matter how well my work is done, that little place for me. And the word, the word he spoke was not stern. He answered me tenderly, Ah, little one, search that heart of thine. Art thou working for them or me? Nazareth was a little place, and so was Galilee. Jesus wasn't sent to the big centers, the big places. He started off in a small place. The small task, whether you're retired, whether you're at home with your children, whether you're, you know, unemployed at the moment, looking for work, there's no small place in God's kingdom. There's no small task in God's eyes because, you know, He doesn't think the way that we do. God's ways are not our ways, and His works are not our works. What we think would be significant for the kingdom of God, you know, might not be significant significant for God. And even though people might never see the work that you do, it might be very significant to God's kingdom, according to Him. So, How do we do it? We are designed to live one life, one life in Christ, truly letting him live through us, through us as ambassadors, not alone, through us. As Jesus said, God the Father is always at work. What we see God doing, uh, uh, we join him there. You might say, okay, Erica, but what does that look like in my day-to-day life? It means that I'm asking God what he's doing, and I walk in step with the Holy Spirit. That's what it means. It means recognizing that the events through my day are not just happenstance. Whether it's a child, if a child is being disruptive, that's God's invitation. Are you being overlooked for promotion at work? That's God's invitation. Is there conflict in your relationships? That's God's invitation a neighbor shares his life story that's God's invitation Someone shares a similar interest to, of yours that's God's invitation. God is inviting you every day every moment We just need to recognize it It's just about asking, okay God, what are starting the day with saying God what are you doing?" around me today help me to be sensitive to what you're doing and help me to join you where you are so god is a work around us we ask what god is doing we join him in what he's doing it's god's invitation uh it is all those things are god's invitation to know him more personally and experience him and we adjust our lives accordingly whether it's a changed job an adjustment of attitude speaking truth in love, acts of kindness, etc. We experience God through it all. I just want to finish with this last scripture in Hebrews 12, uh, verses 1. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that is so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. And so this is a race today, this is a race that's marked out for, for you and for me. And God has given you the invitation. But how will you respond? What's going on in your life right now? Where are you located? Whether it's a physical place or just a different season of your life. What is God asking or what is God doing in this moment have you asked him I know I hadn't and it changed my perspective but you know what's really amazing is as we start looking to him for what he's doing it has this strange effect of relieving all the pressure that's on our shoulders to try to accomplish something because then the ownership is on Jesus and not on us to figure it out We're not secret agents sent on our own. You're not alone today. Jesus is there with you. I'm just going to invite uh, the worship team and uh, I'm just going to sing that song, Build My Life. Jesus is there to build your life and mine. And he wants us to see the hurting world around us So before we we just sing i'm just going to take a moment to to pray lord i just want to thank you god that we're not alone i thank you god for your word i want to thank you that you are doing something right now even though i may not see it you are doing something in every life that is here today whether they are aware or not so i pray lord jesus open our eyes to see open our ears to hear open our hearts to understand what's going on and have your perspective, Lord, in all things. In Jesus' name, amen.